It's so good to be here tonight, and uh, it's, just, it's just good. You know, I, I like what Pastor did. You know, just have everybody pray in tongues a little bit there in the beginning. You know, that, just, that, that stirs us up, yeah. stirs up us in the spirit. And, you know, many places don't do that. A lot of places don't do that. And it's so exciting to come to a Holy Ghost church. You know, in today's world today, there's a lot of people that, well, we got to be relevant to the people today. Well, the Bible has always been relevant. For thousands of years, it's been relevant. We don't have to do it any different. Just preach the word. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I, uh, I just talk a little bit about, and that, that kind of explains some things for maybe some of you that haven't, don't know us or know much about us. Uh, we have a bunch of things here on the table that uh, we just brought a few things with us this time, and uh, they're for sale. And uh, the money goes back in the ministry. But more than anything, we have little keychains and necklaces and some things that we believe that people use every day. And we want them to, when they see that, to pray for us. Because we need the strength of God in prayer to continue to do and accomplish the things that he's called us to do. Because each and every one of us are here at, at this time. We're, we're here at this time. And uh, so uh, it's important that we fulfill the plan that God has for our lives, uh, whether it be big or small. It's not big, it's not small in his eyes, but it becomes small in our eyes. But we have to remember that whatever he's called you to do is big. It's huge. God has a big part for us to do. So we're here for such a time as this. Amen. Amen. You know, I'm going to... Uh, it's really nice to start early like this, you know, this gives me some time and, you know, uh, I don't know, we, the, everything closes down at, I don't know what time, nine o'clock or something like that. So if we run until nine, well, then you, you can just go home. You don't have to worry about stopping somewhere, you know, so amen. Amen. So hallelujah. No, we won't do that to you, but uh, we're going to follow the spirit of God. You know, we're going to follow the spirit of God. Uh, I'm going to have Eileen share something uh, this past year uh, or this year, I should say, just not too many months ago. I think it was in March. Uh, she just had uh, something that happened uh, not to her, but it happened within her. What I want to say is in, in her life and uh, she's she's getting her Bible. out. She didn't know I was going to tell her to do I was, was going to call on her tonight. She didn't know that. So <laughs> no, she. <laughs> so why don't you come on up and and uh, share what? Uh... Well, this is kind of a a bit of a serious note. Uh, what I'm going to share with you this evening. Uh, I had a friend, a dear friend of mine. Uh, <clears throat> You know, one of those people that never criticizes anything that comes out of your mouth. <laughs> there aren't too many of them like that. And that'll stick with you when things are tough. You know what I'm saying? Well, our, my friend Marsha was that kind of lady. She had been a... a in the education field for 40 years, you know, educating children. And uh, she was uh, 
a real gem of a person. Well, she got COVID and her uh, lungs got filled up and they took her to the Omaha hospital <clears throat> and they found a big tumor in her abdomen and they were unable to operate on the tumor. And that dear lady was gone in like two and a half weeks. And um, uh, while she was in there, she became unconscious towards the end. And our pastor's wife asked us to text messages that we would like to have read to Marsha while she was unconscious. And we know that the hearing is the last sense to go. So we believe that she understood and received these messages. So I'll share with you what I wrote to her. It says, um, my dear Marcia, thank you for the life light and love you have brought into my life. You always accepted me and never criticized me, even when I talked about my cluttered closets and office. I am a bit jealous, though, that you get to go to heaven before me. Thank you again for your life of serving others and Jesus, and for your light and your love. Much love until we meet again. And in uh, Psalms chapter 90, verse 12, it says, So teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Amen. You know, we are today in our lives. We're there because others have put input into our lives. The fruit that we bear is a result of other people's mm -hmm. sowing. Amen. So just an encouragement to tell somebody that you're grateful for what they've done for you. I'm sure you do that already. But it doesn't hurt to sow gratefulness lavishly on those that are close to us. Amen? Appreciation. Amen. So that was Psalms 90, verse 12, if you want to mark that. Amen. And one little thing. Uh, we flew on an airplane to get here this time instead of driving, which we thought would be so nice. And uh, we went from Sioux City, Iowa to Chicago had a five-hour layover. We got to the gate, and they kept saying, 
the captain is coming for maybe half hour. And then all of a sudden, the flight has been canceled to Chattanooga. So there's this big rumble and everybody's running down to the kiosk to, to get their ticket somehow mended along with us. We're going as fast as we could. <laughs> so there was no person there, only a machine. You press the buttons and then this guy appeared that was help, trying to help us. Well, he said, is there any other airport you'd like to go besides Chattanooga in the area? We said, well, uh, how about Birmingham? Okay, he said, there's one leaving out in 45 minutes. And that's on a different concourse. <sighs> So anyway, we got to the other concourse and got to Birmingham and changed our rental car ticket and all that stuff and fiddled and, uh, but anyway, I'm here to tell you that the captain is coming. <laughs> Amen. So I want you to turn to your neighbor and tell him, the captain is coming. Yes, the captain <laughs> is coming. The captain. Amen. Amen. She didn't leave much for you, brother. What's that? She didn't leave much for you. Well, 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 Holy Ghost to come up with something. Amen. He's always alive, always working. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, uh, for, for, you know, traveling is not fun anymore. It's not, it's not near like it used to be, but we still continue to do it. I don't know if it's because we're older, but I don't think so. Uh, there's just so many more people traveling now, and the airplanes, uh, to go through an airport, is, it's just unreal anymore the security and all the things that go on you know and we we went through that one security and they have a, a deal now if you're uh, 75 years old uh, you know you don't have to take your coat off and your shoes off and so i don't have to do that anymore and uh eileen got up there and she didn't take her shoes off and she showed him her driver's license and i'm going to tell on her but she won't care she, she's about three months from being 75. And the guy says, take your shoes off. You're not 75 yet. I, I'm thinking, do we look like terrorists? I mean, give me a break. I mean, it's like, talk about dogmatic. Oh, they, they just add to the insult sometimes, you know. And one time I was going through an airport, I think it was down in Dallas, and that, that's when they first started putting in all this high-techy stuff, you know. And you ever, have you ever been through that one that's where you have to spread the eagle and like this, and then that thing spins around? Well, I get up there and they say, take your belt off. Well, my pants are a little bit too big. And, and so, so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 
So anyhow, you're there, you know, you're, you're trying to stand there and you're, you feel they're a little bit too big, so you're just puffing your stomach out as much as you can to make sure that they're, so, so I've learned that when I go through security more, I wear pants that are plenty tight because they're always gonna tell you to take your belt off. So anyhow, it's, it's, it's a different world out there today. But anyhow, it is different today. You know, we, uh, they had the, I, I don't wanna call it a celebration or a, uh, but you know, 9-1-1, 20 years is just, uh, was just a few weeks ago, or last week. And uh, Eileen and I were in Thailand at that time. We had just started our year. We usually went over there about in July or August. So we were just getting started when 911 happened. And when we came back that year, or the next year, like in March or April, whenever it was, we came back to the States, things had really changed in the security areas. I mean, they went through everything that we had. They didn't have any of the equipment they have now. And you know, after 911, everything, the whole world changed forever. And now we've just went through this past year, or year and a half of this pandemic. And if anybody had told me a few years ago that something could shut down our whole world, I wouldn't have believed them. But we saw it happen. For over a year, well, it's been more than a year, uh, we were not able to travel. The, uh, Canada is one of the areas we've been working with Native Americans a lot in the last five or six years. And Canada just opened up a couple of weeks ago. It's been closed since March of last year. And uh, these foreign countries, Colombia, where we go, it's been closed. It's, it's a, little more, uh, a little more open than some of them, but you have to have a COVID test before you go in. You gotta have a COVID test before you go out. I mean, all this stuff that you have to do to make it work, and it just adds so much more to the, yeah. to, to the trip and you know, the, the hassle of things. And, and you know, some places take advantage of it. I, uh, I got an email from a friend of ours in, uh, that's in Thailand, and now to go into Thailand, uh, you have to have a COVID test when you come in there and they're charging the foreigners like $400 to take the COVID test. That, that, that's just a way to scam. Uh, these foreign countries are that way, so many of them. They take advantage of the foreigner. And, and so there's a lot of things happening, but none of this stuff is too hard for God. It's just we have to plug into what he's doing and believe and know that that's what he wants us to do. And so we just... Keep on going, you know, just keep on going. Like Paul said, when you've done all to stand, stand. And, and so that's, that's what we have to do. And so this past year, I've been studying a lot on the favor of God. Because I found out in this, especially during this pandemic, that we have to have the favor of God working in our lives to, to navigate in, in this world today because there's so much negative attitudes out there and you know, you gotta be six foot away. Where's your mask and all this kind of stuff. But you know, we as believers, we, we can go about our life and have an abundant life just as God promised us. Jesus came that we might have an abundant life and have it more abundantly. And so I believe that. And so the favor of God is something that God has, through, through the blood of Jesus, the favor of God has been 
made available for us, but we have to activate it. We have to have it working in our life. And more than anything, we have to be favor-minded. We have to believe that God is going to show us favor. And many of us, if we look back now in our life, we can see where the favor of God worked and uh, helped us and blessed us and took care of us. And so today I just want to share some things uh, about the favor of God. And uh, I don't know how much of it we'll get. I may not be able to cover all of it, but we'll, we'll go through the main parts of it because I think in this day and age, we have to, we have to operate on the favor of God. And we can see the, 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 the turmoil that we have in our, in our government today. And we're, we're to pray for our government. And, uh, but, you know, what, how, what direction is it going to go? Is it going to get better? You know, everybody wants it back to normal. Well, what's normal? You know, what, what is normal? And uh, we know that from reading the scriptures that, and, and, and all the prophecies and all the things that we've seen, the return of Jesus has got to be soon. And uh, it talks about in the Bible, in the last days there'll be a great falling away. But we don't want to be in that group. We, we want to be in the group that follows God. And when we know that his favor is upon us and taking care of us and guiding us and directing us, protecting us, supplying for us, you know, we, we will be able to complete what he's called us to do because he wants us to do more than just exist on this earth. Amen. Amen. So when we talk about favor, you know, we don't want to get discouraged. In today's world, we don't want to get discouraged. We, we want to continue to go on because God has given us his favor. In Psalms chapter 5, verse number 12, and this, this, this is a, I think this is New Living Translation, but it says, Surely, Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor as with a shield. I like that. It says God surrounds his people with favor as like a shield. Well, you know what a shield is? And, and every, time I, every time I go into one of these places and I see, see these people with the face shields, I saw someone today, you know, they, in a restaurant, they had this thing and this big plastic thing goes down and that, that shields her face, but we as believers, the favor of God completely surrounds us. All the way around, top and bottom, everywhere, we are surrounded with his favor like a shield. Hallelujah. So what does that mean? It means that everywhere you go, you have an advantage. There's a divine presence with you. Favor will open up the right doors. Favor will cause things to fall into place and it will give you the right break. Here's a good illustration. In my own home, we have eight grandchildren uh, most of them are grown up now. Some are married and almost married. And we only have one left in high school now, or two left in high school now. But when they were all little, smaller in school, they'd come over to Grandpa's house. And, and uh, you know, when they came into the house, they just went right into the refrigerator. And if they wanted a soda, they grabbed a soda. And back in the pantry, Eileen has a little box that's full of candy, you know. And they know right where that little box is at. And they just go right back there and help themselves, you know, just... Whatever, whatever they wanted. But I did notice that if they brought a friend with them, 
they'd come in, they'd say, oh, Grandpa, can we have a can of soda? Oh, Grandpa, can we go back there and get into the candy box? Well, sure, you guys can do that. That's no problem. But I got to thinking about that. Why is it when he has a friend, he asks permission, but when they're by themselves, they never ask permission. They just go and take whatever they want out of the refrigerator, out of the pantry. They can do that because they have favor with Grandpa. I'll give them whatever I can. Whatever I have is theirs because they have favor with me. And our God is the same way. Whatever he has, he wants to give it to us because we have favor with him. We have favor with him. And so what does that word favor mean? It means to assist, to provide with advantages, to receive preferential treatment, and to approve. So lots of times there's things not working out in our life, things aren't going well, but you know, God has surrounded us with his favor and he wants to thrust us or put us into the destiny that he's called us to do. You know, whether we believe it or not, God's favor is with us. Here's a, uh, in uh, Genesis chapter 12, verse number two, the Amplified Bible. This is Abraham being talked to by God. And God says, I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you with abundant increase of favors and make your name famous and distinguished and you will be a blessing dispersing goods to others. See, a, a favor is not for just once or twice. Favor is a all-time deal, a lifetime promise from God. Not only does he bless us, but he blesses us so we can be a blessing to others. And that, that's the main purpose of God blessing us. Not for us to hoard it up, not for us to just spend it on ourselves, but he's blessed us to be a blessing to others. Amen? Amen. And we are the seed of Abraham. And that promise that God made to Abraham is made to you and I. He'll give us abundance of favors. God blesses us so we can bless others. Here, here's, here's a few things that I, I like. It says God's favor causes you to be promoted even though you're not qualified. <laughs> Hallelujah. Favor, God's favor gives you blessing even though you don't deserve it. God's favor will put you in the right place at the right time. And God's favor causes people to be kind to you. Hallelujah. So God is saying what he said to Abraham. He's saying that to you and I tonight. I will assist you. I will help you. I will give you an abundance of favors. I'm going to give you preferential treatment and bless you. So throughout the Bible, we'll find examples of where God has put his favor upon people and blessed them. And one of the things I want, want you to understand tonight as I, as I share this, uh, I'm, I'm primarily talking about provision uh, and blessings in, in the material world, but we have to realize that the blessings of God is just not money, it's, it's just not possessions, but it's good health, it's stable families, it's peace of mind, it's a wholeness that comes upon us because of his favor. And so I want you to understand that, but the illustrations I have tonight can be applied in any situation, in any situation. 
So I'm, I'm just going to give you a few examples that are in the Bible. And uh, in Luke chapter 1, verse 28, it says, this is talking about Mary, the mother of Jesus. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. 1 Samuel 2.26, And the boy Samuel continued to grow in stature and in favor with the Lord and with people. Noah, in Genesis 6.8, But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. You know, God uses people that he finds favor. You know, he, he'll, 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 he'll give us favor because he wants us to do something. He wants to use us. He wants to promote us. He wants to put us into places that we can, that we can be an influence. Impartation to people. And anywhere we go, it's not an accident that we're there. Hallelujah. And even Jesus, in Luke chapter 2, verse 52, it says, And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Hallelujah. Joseph in the Old Testament. Here's a tremendous story here of Joseph. Uh, Joseph was made uh, uh, head over Potiphar's family, over his, all his possessions. And of course, you know the story. Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him. And so he got thrown into prison. He got thrown into prison and he had favor with the warden. And eventually he got out and he was put over the whole country. And why was he, why did he, he had that favor and he put over the whole country, but what did he do? When famine came, he was able to bless other people with grain and food. And so he had favor in wherever Joseph was at. So tonight, uh, I want to look at the book of Ruth. The book of Ruth is a tremendous story. Uh, you, you can see a parallel between Boaz and Ruth. It's a parallel. Boaz could, could be a, a type of Jesus and, and uh, Ruth could be a type of, a, of, of us, you know, so to speak. So we, we want to look at this book and, and when, uh, just give you a little background on the book of Ruth. Uh, there's a woman, her name is Naomi and her uh, husband's name is uh, Emelech. And uh, they're, they're Jewish people, they're Israelite people. And there was a famine in the land, so they moved to the country of Moab, which is, I looked it up, it's just on the other side of the Dead Sea from, from Israel. It's not very far away, but they moved over there, and they took their two sons with them. And while they were there, the two sons married Moabite women. And uh, after they'd been there about 10 years, all three of the men passed away. So now we have three widows, Naomi, the, the, the mother of the two sons, and then the two daughter-in-laws, Oprah and Ruth. And so in those days, if you uh, uh, were a widow and didn't have a man to take care of you, I, I opened up this little one. If you didn't have a man to take care of you, you were poor. I mean, you were just, you, you were just there. You were just hanging out with nothing. And so Naomi says, I'm going to go back to Israel. I have family back there and friends. And she actually had some land back there. And uh, she said, I'm going to go back to Israel. And so we'll pick up the story right there. And I'm going to read some of the verses because they're so good. We'll start in Ruth chapter 1, verse number 14. And this is where uh, 
Naomi had told the two daughter-in-laws to go back to their families, go back to their own people. <clears throat> and then Oprah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Verse 15, look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where I go or where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. And I want you to look at this next verse. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. See, she's making a statement there. Yeah. I, I, I believe that being around uh, Naomi, Amalek and the two boys that she realized there's something about the Israelite people that they're blessed of God. They're godly people. They're blessed of God. They belong to the covenant. And, and so she says, I'm going to go with you. I'm not going to be a Moabite anymore. I'm going to be I'm going to go live with the Israelites and I'm going to be I'm going to serve your God. And so when we look at this, we have to look at the heart that Ruth had. You know, she was loyal to Naomi, even in the midst of tough times. She was committed to her. And, and, and so when you think about that, how many people will stick with you when times are tough? <laughs> yeah, you, we, we, we see all kinds of stories of uh, people that were one time were millionaires and, uh, or, or, or just had lots of money and they, they somehow spent their money, they lost their money. And they used to have all kinds of friends and now all of a sudden they're living on the street and they haven't got one friend left. But see, Ruth stuck with her mother-in-law even though they had nothing. They had nothing, no promise, nothing. And, and so when we see that, God will show favor to people like Ruth. And you know, even though the favor of God surrounds us like a shield, we have to position ourselves to receive that favor. Amen. We have to position ourselves, and we will see Ruth do that. In verse number 18, it says, When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her back to her family. Now both Ruth and Naomi reached Bethlehem. Now watch this. Look at the favor upon these two women. In Ruth chapter 2, verse number 1, now, Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing, or means a man of wealth, from the clan of Amalek. Now, that's her husband, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. Now, what we have to understand here in uh, one of God's laws or rules for his people was that if you had land and crops and when you harvested your crops, whatever fell on the ground, you left it there for the poor people to come behind and pick it up. And that, that was that was just that was that was God's rule. And Boaz was one of the people that followed that rule of God. And so this is what she says. I'm going to go out. And I'm going to pick up that grain that's fallen to the ground in whose eyes I find favor. Now, you have to realize that she's a Moabite woman. She's not in the covenant. She's not an Israelite. She doesn't have any family there other than Naomi. And so in order for her to be able to go behind the harvesters, she's going to have to have favor. 
she's going to have to have favor because how many Israelite people want to go back there and pick up grain? So she says, I'll go in whose eyes I find favor. <clears throat> I think that she knew that she was at the right place by staying with Naomi. I, I think she knew that she'd come to a godly family. And what she did is she started living favor-minded even though she had nothing. She had nothing. Now, if we pick it up here again in Ruth chapter 2, verse number 3, she went out and entered a field and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it, I like this. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Amalek. Is that a coincidence? You think that just happened that way, that she just, she was just lucky and went to the right place? Or did God guide her there? Yeah. We're talking about favor. But when you see the heart of Ruth, then you begin to see the favor that comes upon her life. Amen? Amen. She put her hand to something, even though she didn't know whose field it was. In verse number four, it says, And then Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters saying, the Lord be with you. And the harvesters answered, the Lord bless you. And then Boaz asked the overseer of his harvesters, who does that young woman belong to? And the, the overseer replied, she is a Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. And now we see the, the foreman or the boss of the harvesters tells Boaz what, what Ruth said. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. And then, he re then the, the, the boss is reporting what Ruth did. He says, she, Ruth, came into the field and has, re not, has remained here from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. Now, it's quite interesting when she found favor in, someone eye, in someone's eyes and got to go to work there. She uh, worked all day long. She stopped just a little bit to get something to drink. See, see, what don't you see here is she wasn't lazy. You know, uh, Brother Hagen used to always say, you know, cherries, you know, things, the, the blessings of God don't drop on you like cherries off a ripe tree. See, you have to position yourself to receive those promises. Amen? They're for everybody. Hallelujah. So she was not lazy. She went out there and worked, went to work. And so now we're going to look at some things here. Let's look at God's favor and what it did for Ruth and Naomi. I have nine things here that we're going to talk about here. And uh, it won't take that long, but, the, but they're really good. Number one, favor enables you to be given opportunities. Favor enables you to be given opportunities. We're still in chapter two of Ruth. Verse number eight says, so Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in other fields. Work for me. See, she got an opportunity there, a, a full time job, so to speak. Amen. Amen. Favor will give you opportunities. And I, I have a lot of different examples in my own life because I've seen God's favor work in my life and not because I'm great, but because he's great. And uh, but I but I know my own I, I know my own uh, 
my own experiences and uh, the opportunities that Eileen and I have been given to minister all over the world. And I remember when I went to Rama back in the 80s and uh, we, were, we had a class then of about 600 and not, not all at one time in a class, but a big class. And I used to sit and listen to those instructors and I, I thought, man, you know, they, they, they got a direct line from God, you know, it's just, you know, I, I thought they were walked on water, you know, you, you watch these guys and gals and they're just so awesome. And I always thought, I'm, I'm not qualified to do that. You know, I, I, I would have liked to, but I, I thought, there's no way I could ever do that. But, you know, through the years, in the last 10 years, God has allowed us to teach in three different Rhema schools around the world. So, you know, and I was, you know, I never felt qualified to do it, but I had favor and I got opportunities to do that. And so uh, favor gives you opportunities. Number two, favor allows you to be noticed. Ruth chapter 2, verse number 10. At this she bowed down with her face to the ground, and she asked him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? See, there's something about Ruth. Maybe it was her work ethics. Maybe it was her, maybe she was a beautiful girl, or whatever it might be. Favor caused her to be noticed by Boaz. And she's a foreigner now. We, we have to remember that. She's not in the covenant. She's a foreigner. And uh, in those days, they didn't, uh, they didn't take to the foreigners too well. And uh, so she found favor and he noticed her, asked who she was. Number three, favor puts you in the right place at the right time. In verse number 11, Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. How you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. See, she gave up some things. She gave up her family. She gave up her gods. She gave up all the people she knew and went somewhere else. And see, it put her in the right place at the right time. And lots of times God will talk to us about changing some things we're doing or just, you know, different things in our life. And he's trying to position us for something better. And uh, sometimes we have to give up some things to move into those positions, you know. And so, uh, you know, a lot of people think like, like Eileen and I, they think, well, boy, you gave up a lot to go overseas. We, we lived in Thailand about 12 years. And we weren't there all the time. I mean, we were there about nine months out of the year, but we'd come home every year. But, you know, sure, we gave up some things, but, you know, God has just, just give it all back to us. I mean, he just, he'd been so good. And I, I know a lot of people, a lot of people couldn't do it. And uh, it, I don't know, we just, we just, God just did it with us, you know. And uh, all of our grandchildren, but one, was born while we were overseas, so we didn't get in a lot of that. And, uh, and we had one grand, we remember one grandson, uh, he was born and we, we saw him when he might've been really little, but then the next time we saw him, he was about two or three years old, wasn't he? And, and uh, we came into their house and that's the first time he'd ever seen us. 
And uh, here he's, we come in the door and I, I'm trying to be like grandpa to him and he runs around hides behind his mama's legs. He didn't know us. <laughs> but that's not the case now. <laughs> but, but I mean, God makes all of that up. We, we didn't give up anything. We didn't give up anything. Hallelujah. Okay, number four. Favor causes people to show you kindness. And this number five is favor takes you from being a nobody to being a somebody. We find that in Ruth chapter two, verse number 13. May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord, she said. She's talking to Boaz. You have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servants. So see, she was being treated like a servant, even though she was not a servant. See, she was made from a foreigner, Ruth, who came back with Naomi. Now all of a sudden she'd been made into a somebody. She'd made it, made, made, she'd been treated like a servant and he's speaking kindly to her. And, and those two things went together. Favor causes people to show you kindness. That's number four. And favor takes you from being a nobody to being a somebody. I want to talk about favor showing you kindness. Uh, this happened to Eileen and I a few years ago. We, we took a mission team to Bogota, Colombia. We had about, I don't know, 12 people or something like that went with us. And we were going, we were flying back to the States and we were in the airport at Bogota and it was very, very busy. And uh, we were going through immigration. They had all these places going. So we all had to split up and go through different immigration. And so one, one girl got lost and it was on a huge concourse. I think there's 30 some gates on that concourse. And I don't know, she got lost somehow. She came out from immigration, went the wrong way. She went left instead of right. So we were getting ready to get on the plane and she's not there. And uh, so I went back looking for her and, and ran clear back there and back and forth and trying to find her. Even one of the people off the airplane, one of the, uh, I think one of the men there even went with me. We're trying to find her and, and we finally went back to the plane and she, she'd made her way there while I missed her on the concourse somehow. And so Eileen was there waiting for me outside the plane. She said, I'm not going to leave unless John's with me. So, so, uh, cause it was, it was, it was, they were ready to shut the doors. So I got on the plane and sat down and uh, lo and behold, here they came to Eileen and I said, you have to get off the plane because we hadn't, you have to, I think on an international flight, you have to be on the plane like 30 minutes before they close the doors. And we didn't, we didn't do that. And so, they said, you have to get off. And I never said a word because I knew we were wrong. I, I, I knew the rules. And so we got up and went off the plane and had to go all the way back through immigration, all back through that whole mess again backwards and got back out there. And pretty soon here they came with our suitcases. They'd taken them off the plane and brought them into us. And so they said, go over and get in that line and uh, we'll re reroute you. We'll get you on another flight. And so we went over there and we, we started at six o'clock in the morning. We was when we were supposed to fly out. And uh, <laughs> we went over there and this line was like, oh man, it was long. And so we got in line and we waited and, and uh, <clears throat> finally got up to the window. And evidently 
they had, uh, the man behind there evidently had known a little bit about our history or something. I'm not sure what. But the whole time that we were going through this thing, I never, I never, you know, spoke back to anybody. I, I never raised my voice. I just, whatever they wanted me to do, I did it, you know, because we were wrong. We were, we were definitely wrong. And uh, so he starts talking to us and he puts us on another flight, uh, not till six o'clock that night. So we had like a 12 hour layover before we could fly out. But anyhow, he said, uh, I'm, I'm going to give you people a voucher. And, uh, oh, okay, well, that's fine. So he gave us his voucher, and he gave one to me and one to Eileen. And th this was a, a Colombian man. And uh, the next year, we, we went to Africa. And uh, so I took it down to the airlines to, to buy a, our tickets to Africa. And uh, I was going to use these vouchers. Well, these vouchers were... $1,300 each. Yeah. And our, our tickets to Africa were about sixteen or $1,700. So we had all of it paid with this voucher except for three or $400. And that guy at the airline, he looks at that and he looks at that voucher and he says, where did you get those vouchers? I said, well, we got those down in Columbia. He said, they never give vouchers like that. You, I, I found out later they're usually like three, four hundred dollars maybe. They give us each thirteen hundred dollars. See, they were kind to us. They were kind to us. Amen. And but again, like I said, we didn't we didn't badmouth anybody. We've been in some of those lines, and you see people just having a fit. I mean, they're just ranting and raving and carrying on and. I'll tell you what, you won't get nothing doing that. You don't get anywhere doing that. So anyhow, God is so good, isn't he? Yes. Hallelujah. Number five, favor will protect you. Ruth number, uh, chapter two, verse number nine. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you. Well, back in those Bible days, uh, Foreign women were not treated very nice. You can imagine the horrific things that could take place uh, at the hands of the men. But anyhow, she had protection there. And uh, I'm trying to hurry, but I got, I got so much I'd like to tell you. I will make it. Hallelujah. Protection. Eileen and I have been many places around the world, and we've never, ever had any uh, problems. I got arrested in China one time for snug, smuggling Bibles in, but, but that got all, I mean, that turned out to be good. I can't even tell that story tonight, but that turned out good. But other than that, we never have had any problem uh, with uh, you know thieves or robberies. Uh, we had our house broke into one time, they didn't take anything and just things like that. But one of the stories I definitely remember is, we used to go to a, uh, a country, it's called Myanmar, used to be called Burma, and it's, a, it's basically a communist country. Uh, they were in the news here six months ago when the people were rising up and, uh, they, because the election was a joke, which it's always been that way over there. And they actually were shooting people and I, you know. But anyhow, we were over there and we're staying in this hotel. And uh, 
we're staying in the hotel the foreigners stay in and uh, it was supposed to be a three-star hotel but it's not a three-star hotel in our standards but it wasn't theirs and but a lot of foreigners stayed there and if you went around the block to the street behind it around the block there was one of these Indian restaurants I don't know how many have ever had Indian food but I, I love it and it's so good they can make lamb and pork and duck and all this they, they really know how to make that stuff and then they make a wonderful curry they make a green and a red and a yellow and they make these little tortillas that you can dip in the oh they're just really good and uh, so I found out that there's this Indian restaurant around behind our behind the hotel there and uh, it's not it's not a you know it's, it's not a commercial it, it's a it's a family type restaurant so I really wanted to go there and so we asked the guy at the hotel we said if we walk around there at night or is it safe for us as foreigners to go around there oh yeah I said no problem and it's really dark there they they they, they got street lights about every block and they're they're not very bright and it was all walled the whole thing was walled all around there going back over there and so I asked him again I said are you sure that it's safe to go back oh yes he says no problem I said how can you be sure that it's not any problem and he said well I'll tell you what he said we like the foreigners staying at our hotel and he said if they bother anybody in our hotel he said the police will find them and they'll wish that they had not bothered you so we went around there a number of times at night after dark. Nobody ever, nobody ever touched us. Nobody ever said a word. Protection. The favor of God will protect you. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay. Favor provides for you. Favor provides for you. That's in Ruth chapter 2, the second part of verse 9. And whenever you're thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. God had provided for Ruth. Number eight, favor repays your loss. In verse number 12, Boaz says, May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord and, God, and the God of Israel, who's under, wing, who, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. She gave up some things, but God is really repaying her. She's, got, she's had opportunities. She's been noticed. She's been protected. She's been provided for. All kinds of things are happening here. And then number nine is favor lets your cup overflow. That's in Ruth chapter 2, verse 14. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, come over here. Have some bread and dip it in the wine vinegar. When she sat down with when she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain. She ate all she wanted and had some left over. See, her cup's overflowing already. Then in verse number 15, as she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men. Let her gather among the sheaves and don't reprimand her. Even I love this. Even pull out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up and don't rebuke her. So he's telling the men that are harvesting, you know, they're harvesting this barley and he's saying, oh, just drop a few back there. You know, just, just drop a few so she can pick them up. <clears throat> and so it goes on to say, 
So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. Then she threshed the barley she had gathered and it amounted to about an ephod. <laughs> an ephod, or an, I looked that up. It's like 20 dried quarts. Like if you had a quart fruit jar, it's like dry grain in there. It's like 20 quarts. That's what she picked up in one day that supposedly fell from the harvesters. Well, they, they were dropping extra for her. Then it goes on in verse 18. She carried it back to town and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over after she had eaten enough. <coughs> well, you begin to think about that. Well, look at that old Ruth. She, she ate all she wanted and then just gave Naomi a little bit. Just whatever she had left over, she gave to Naomi. Think about that. If an ephod is 20 dry quarts, how much did Ruth eat? Did she eat a, a quart, two quarts? If she ate two quarts, that left 18 quarts for her mother-in-law. So her mother-in-law would have something to take to the market and sell and have money. We're talking about your cup overflowing through the favor of God. Hallelujah. So see, God's favor brought Ruth from a Moabite foreigner who had experienced some of the greatest challenges in her life and brought her into a place of prosperity because of the favor of God upon her life. How did God receive this favor? We talked about the earlier. She, she positioned herself. She did certain things that got her in a place to receive from God. Number one, she called upon God. You know, we have to call upon God. It says you have not because you ask not. So we have to come to him with our prayers and with our wants and our needs and make it known to him. So we have to call upon God. Number two, I believe that Ruth did what was right. She didn't try to cheat. She didn't try to steal somebody else's grain. She went out there and took a job, not knowing what it was going to be, how much she was going to get or what could have happened to her. But she took responsibility and she had good work ethics. And then number three, she lived favor minded. And I think this is what is so important. We have to live favor minded. Ruth said, I will pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I found favor. Well, the God of Ruth, the God of Abraham is our God. Amen. And so we can have those same things. We can have the same favor that Ruth had, that Naomi had. We have to call on God. We have to do what is right. And we have to live favor minded. Now, when you think about Ruth, she was in the genealogy of Jesus. She married Boaz. Eventually she married Boaz. She was a great grandmother of King David. Not even an Israelite, but yet she was in the genealogy of Jesus. She had favor. She had favor. Amen. So you have to come to the place where you live favor minded. You know, God will cause you to uh, accomplish things because of his favor that you could not accomplish on your own. You could not do it on your own. And I'm going to tell a true story. This just happened a few years ago. A good friend of ours, we know him very, very well. Uh, he went to work for this manufacturing company and uh, he started out as a welder. 
and the company was very small. They, they, they made truck bodies and things like this, and, and uh, the company was very small when he started there, and after they'd been going a few years, they said, we, we, we need a safety man to, to watch over our plant and, you know, safety, but it's not a paid position. So what you'll have to do, you have to work all day at welding, and then after you're off work, well, then you have to talk to the men, go around the plant and look at things, and so you'll be doing it for free. So he said, okay, he'd do it. And so he took that, he did that two or three years, and lo and behold, they made that safety job a paid job, a full-time position, because the plant continued to grow. I think now they have about 400, 450 employees. Well, he, he kept getting promotions and promotions and promotions, and pretty soon they made him a quality control man over the plant. And then, then they moved him up and they, they called him a troubleshooter. And so if they built a truck and they sent it a new, a new design or something new and they sent it out somewhere and they had some trouble with it, they'd send him out there and he'd figure out what was going on, what the problem was, how to fix it. He'd come back to the plant and they'd retool and do things to fix the problem. So he had really moved up in the company. And then they came along and they had a new project. And uh, they wanted him to take this project and so he said he would. And uh, they'd been in the project about a year and he said, well, this is what I'm building. He said, it's really good. He said, it's a good product, but he said, it's very, very expensive. He said, I don't think the contractors will buy it. It would be something you would sell to contractors. It's kind of like a roll off, but it was, uh, uh, Everybody familiar with a roll-off? I call them a roll-off, where they, those big dumpsters, they roll off on a construction job and they can fill them with stuff and they come and pick them up with a big truck. But anyhow, this was a, a real special kind. And uh, he told me, he said, it, it, it's really a good product, but he said, it's so expensive. He said, I don't think the contractors will buy it. Well, two years, another year went by, the company decided to scrap the project. So by this time, the company had been sold out to corporate USA, you know, how that is today. And so the orders come down from above. Anybody connected with the project is done. You're, we don't have this department anymore. These jobs are not available, you're done. So he'd been there over 20 years, almost 25 years he'd worked there and he was done. He came in one Monday morning, they said, clean out your desk, you're done. And uh, I talked to him a couple of days later, and uh, he never bad-mouthed the company, but he kept telling me, he says, John, God's got something better. God's got something better for me. And uh, so a couple of months went by, and he found another job in another town with a truck company, and he was in training with them for this new job. And the place where he had worked, the human resource man called him, he said, I want you to come in, I want to talk to you. And so he went in to talk to the human resource man and he said, the resource man told him, he said, the company told me to bring in, not to bring in anybody from outside the company, but to raise up somebody in the company, not to hire any more people. So he said, we looked and checked and we found the man we thought for the job and so I brought him in to offer him the job. And he says, he told me, he said, the man I'm talking about, his name was Bob. He says, well, I appreciate the offer, but he said, the best man for this job is Bob. This is the one they're offering the job to. And so the human resource calls him. He comes back in 
and he says, uh, we want to offer you this job. So he went back to work for the company after less than six months. And let me tell you the rest of the story, like Paul Harvey used to say, here's the rest of the story. He'd been there over 25 years. They gave him a huge severance pay because he was in, a, he was in uh, not administration, but in, uh, what do they call it? I can't say the word now. Management, he was in management. So they gave him a huge severance pay. The job they offered him was paying more than what he was making when they laid him off. So he was able to keep the severance pay. He got a job that paid more than he was making before. And because he had not been gone from the company more than a year, he kept his seniority. Wow. Yeah. See, that's the favor of God. That's, that's the favor of God. But see, see when, when I would talk to him, he, he never, he never bad-mouthed the company. He went out and tried to find another job, went out and found another job. And uh, he just kept saying, God has something better. God has something better for me. And so he did. So, you know, what God did for Bob, God can do for you. What he did for Bob, he can do for anybody. And so God will cause you to have opportunities. He'll cause you to stand out. He'll cause you to be noticed. You're going to get breaks when it seems like it's impossible. But God's favor makes you the head and not the tail. Amen. Amen. You're above and not beneath. Hallelujah. So when we talk about this, what do we do? We position ourselves. We call on God. We do what is right. And we live favor minded. And God will prosper you in abundance so that you can be a blessing to others. Amen. 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 God is so good. He's so good. He's so good. He's so good. Hallelujah. 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 You know, I just feel maybe tonight, is there anybody here that's going through some things right now that needs the favor of God to work in a situation or work in your life or to work in someone else's life that it uh, touches you also? If there's somebody in there that's in that situation, why well, Eileen and I, we just love to agree with you and pray with you and believe God to touch your life. Anybody? Everybody's good. That's good. Good pastor. That means a good pastor when everybody's doing good. Amen. Amen. So God is good. And we just really are so blessed to be here again and with your pastor and pastors. And oh, I didn't play the video, did I? I forgot about that. Well, you want to see a video? It's about four minutes. You might even see some people on there, you know. This, uh, we didn't make a video last year because we actually, we were only able to do one Native American seminar. We're working a lot with Native Americans now. And so uh, this, is, this video doesn't have any overseas trips on it, but it has uh, places we went in the USA and some Indian ministry, but it's, ni it's a year ni 2019 and 2020. It's not 21 because or it's not 20, it's the beginning of 20. Go ahead and play it. I'm, I'm getting...